Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namo to the blessed, noble, and perfectly enlightened one. Homage to the blessed, noble, and perfectly enlightened one. Namo sadanto suchedoye hulahudi sanmeao sanputoshe. Namo sadanto suchedoye hulahudi sanmeao sanputoshe. Usham. The unsurpassed, deep, profound, subtle, wonderful Dharma in a hundred thousand million eons is difficult to encounter. Now that I've come to receive and hold it, Within my sight and hearing, I bow to fathom the thus come one's true and actual meaning. Shri Fu Shangren, uh, Venerable Master, Dharma friends, welcome to our Sutra lecture tonight. We are going to uh, continue to look at the Avatamsaka Sutra's Ten Grounds chapter. It is October 15th. Uh, we are in Berkeley, California, and we're going to start by chanting the name of the the Sutra and the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas here in the front cover. So please join me. open your sutra text to page 42 and 43. 
we need a Vietnamese translator. Yeah, everyone's looking at Go Hoa. Go Hoa saying, no, no, no. We hope we can find one, because we have some people who need... Maybe John Pho will volunteer to be the Vietnamese translator. Not to name names, not to put pressure. Now we'll find somebody. One of the best parts of our lecture is that we, we uh, do it in more than one language. And there were years when you all would have heard me speak for 10 minutes in English, and then I would have gone... And everyone would, who wasn't speaking Chinese would like, just you could see their eyes just kind of film over as, as they sit out. And then I would say, okay, we're back, and blink and, and focus again. And then when I speak English, the Chinese speakers kind of drift, you know. And that's um, not, to, not to laugh at that, that's to say, Master Shenhua gave us something very difficult to do, which is bridging, uh, bridging from the west to the from the east to the west, bringing the Dharma to the west. And he uh, he set up a principle that everything we do we do bilingually, and that's rare. That's really rare. If you think about what in the world operates uh, that survives with two cultures in direct proximity. Businesses do, but businesses are for-profit and they come and go pretty quickly. Governments don't. What other cultural institution uh, puts two cultures directly in contact with each other and having to work it out? Rare. It's pretty rare. And that was the knowing how rare it is and how hard it is. That was Master Hua's project. And at City of 10,000 Buddhas, at um, most of our other monasteries around the world, um, the, uh, the sutras are bilingual. And here, we did it bilingually for years and years. And then we realized that the, uh, the Chinese speakers are getting fewer and fewer. And the English speakers who were zoning out were uh, getting less and less patient. And uh, so at one point, we took a deep breath and made a big decision to to make up my part in English. And at the same time, the speakers, the, the folks who wanted a Vietnamese translation did not go away. They didn't change. They, they were very patient in uh, waiting for a Vietnamese translation. And so luckily we were blessed with a community of uh, folks who were willing to, to translate, willing to put themselves out and... and uh, they were gifted enough to be able to do... It's not translation, it's interpretation. What they're doing is sequential interpretation, simultaneous interpretation in many cases. And they have to get my jokes for it to be funny. You know, They have to understand my, my reserve of images that I bring forward. And that's, that's hard to... But over time, uh, people get used to how the speaker speaks. And so... We did it. We maintained our Vietnamese uh, translation. And uh, one way to do it is to give a little bit of distance so that, the, so that you don't hear somebody speaking something while you're trying to listen. So that's why we put the, the Vietnamese translation in the, in the balcony. But it's not 
it's designed, if, if we could put everybody in front with headphones, we would do that. It's not that the balcony gives a difference in class or anything. It's just that it's easier when somebody is not talking in your ear to, if you want to hear the hear in a different language. So, that being the case, there's half a dozen folks in the balcony right now who have zoned out <laughs> because they're not getting it in, in Vietnamese. So we're hoping that our translators will show. Meanwhile, um, it, it makes for a very funny wiring in the speaker's uh, head, me, uh, to, to shift, to switch, to always go five, ten minutes in one language and then shift over. And I knew it was time to change when the Chinese speakers who were here said, uh, Dharma Master, you know, you shorted us on the Chinese last night. You only translated about half of what you said in English and none of the jokes. So we had to watch everybody else laugh and we weren't getting it. And I said, yeah, but you know how hard it is to translate a joke? You know? But you're the translator. You should do it. Uh, okay, here's how we're going to do it all in English. And so what? That's so it's you know it's it's a it's a difficult uh, challenge to translate uh, the the essence over, but it's worth it. It's really really worth it to to allow the sutra to come forward and now. I haven't started tonight, so we, I need to start before I launch into these digressions. However, the things you can say about the experience of translating are uh, many and marvelous. Oh my goodness. There are some very, very wonderful uh, things that happen when you commit yourself to doing two languages. Um, and it's the Dharma. The key is when you're translating the Buddha Dharma. If I were here translating uh, a story about economic reform in the People's Republic of China, and you know, with all the technical language, you, you would think every ten minutes he just goes away, and then we wait for him to come back into what we understand. When it's Buddha Dharma, many people report this is a little miraculous, but it's true. Many people report they will sit here and say. You know, I don't speak a word of Chinese, but last night when you were lecturing in Chinese, I realized I was listening closely. You know, people say that. They say, last night, I don't speak Chinese, but last night during the lecture, I had this funny feeling that I was following what you were saying. People say that. And I, I, don't, I don't think it's, it's, not, it's nothing to do with me. It has to do with the nature of the Dharma. That, and also your ability to concentrate. When you quiet the mind, you realize that we're listening not with only our ears and not with only our conscious, discriminating mind. When you're focused in on the sutra, you have it in front of you and you have it in the air and you have people around you who are also uh, listening quietly. And Master Hua would say, when you have ru fa, qing zhuan fa wen, when you have requested the Dharma formally, in a formal way, the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas come invisibly and bless us all, he would say. 
And that makes a difference. I mean, I... Uh, so there are lots and lots of stories that we can go into. We won't tonight. But um, I first encountered that phenomenon when I was at Gold Mountain Monastery and just a raw speaker of Mandarin, not, not able to really translate. And Master Hua would say, what are you waiting for? What are you scared of? Don't be so selfish. You speak English. Come on, translate for the, for the, for the English speakers what I said. He would say that in Chinese. And I would uh, 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 I'd launch into it. And as long as you were willing, there was this funny experience of having a wind at your back that just pushed you down the lake. And things you didn't know you could say, you could say. And I'm not alone in having that experience. There were many, uh, like me, uh, American college students who drew near Gold Mountain Monastery who were just willing to try it. Uh, and Master Hua would be there pushing. He would say, if you're not going to translate, I'll translate, and I don't speak English. He would say, you know, you can speak three words, translate three words. You'll hear those come around every now and then. That's three words more than they had before. You know? So he was really uh, gung-ho. He was really enthusiastic and encouraging in getting young people to translate. And if you were willing, there was something special about that assembly that, that gave you skill. You all saw The Matrix, right? The movie The Matrix. And, and Neo was sitting in the chair and they plug in the cassette and he goes, boom, 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 boom. And he goes, I know Kung Fu. Remember? Because he's, you all remember that, right? You don't remember the, okay. That's what happened. So Neo gets programmed and he, he can do martial arts because he's been programmed. There was that funny feeling sitting in Gold Mountain and somehow we were able to translate even profound Dharma ideas simply because we opened our mind to that possibility and were willing to do it at the cost of what? Face. You lose face if you stumble. At the cost of being embarrassed for a while. At the cost of the discomfort of sitting there and going, uh, uh, at the cost of having Shufu go, no, when you got it wrong sometimes. Or he would correct you, you know, which is really funny. He'd correct your English translation. So if you're willing to put up with all that teaching going on, which is in cultivation is scraping away your face, your ego, then that was enough. And you'd somehow got in this ship that was heading out to, to uh, deep water. Very wonderful. So just to say, we're uh, very interested in training new translators and encouraging people who think, maybe I could try it. You know, uh, If we could have a translation into Spanish, it would be very nice. Very nice to have a Spanish translation. We need, a, we need Chinese translators now. Um, we, I know there are people that if we reopened our Chinese set, kind of, there would be listeners. It's when we decided not to do the Mandarin, there were half a dozen folks who just said, well, I'll do something else with my Saturday night. But if they, especially elders, and we, we want the elders to come, that if we could have a Mandarin translation, folks would return. Um, the ladies from the Lao Yomen Cultural Center are sitting here very patiently. Not everybody understands the English that I'm speaking, but they come anyway. How about that? They listen very carefully. So I'm very moved and touched that they're willing to listen to my English and come. 
I understand in the car on the way home, they ask the driver, what did he say, what did he say? <laughs> you know, so that's wonderful. And uh, that's the way you learn. Is you put yourself in the situation, open to it, and bit by bit, you get it. Because this is Buddha Dharma, it's, it's special. It's not just ordinary entertainment, information, text, textural study, religious service. It's more, it's all of those and more. Okay, we are now on the second paragraph of page 42, and... Let me start with um, palms together, and we'll do the we'll do that whole big paragraph. Er shi, er shi, Jin Gang Zang Pusa, Gao Jie To Yue Pusa Yan, Fo Zi, Pusa Mo He Sa. 以静第二地，以静第二地，欲入第三地，欲入第三地，当其十种身心，当其十种身心，何等未识，何等未识，所谓清净心，所谓清净心，安住心，安住心，厌舍心，厌舍心。离贪心，不退心；坚固心；坚固心；坚固心；坚固心；坚固心；坚固心；坚固心；坚固心；坚固心；坚固心；坚固心；坚固心；坚固心；坚固心；坚固心；坚固心；坚固心；坚固心；
was it three or just two? It was just two. It was the narrator who started us out into the third ground. Then he switched over to Moon of Liberation, Bodhisattva. Think of yesterday was the, the full moon, or was it the 13th? It was the full moon, Wednesday night, I guess. And uh, Moon of Liberation, I like that image, liberating moon, Moon of Liberation, Bodhisattva, picked it up. And he started to talk to the speaker of the sutra. The speaker of the sutra's name is Vajra Treasury Bodhisattva, Jingang Zang. And Vajra is this kind of like diamond substance, but it's more than diamond. It's a... Uh, I would love to have a scientist get a hold of some actual Vajra. Um, it would be a great find. It's a spiritual stone, gem, that's... We have diamonds. Diamonds are hard... They're like, they're a crystal, they cut, they're, they can be polished into the most brilliant facets. They, they're full of light. Vajra is that same way. It's, uh, it's a substance that appears in, you can say, in the Dharma realm or in the wisdom world. In that Buddhas and Bodhisattvas talk about it as if it were chrysanthemums. You know, they're yellow, they're fragrant, they're springy, they're soft. That's what a chrysanthemum is like, you know. That's, that's what mums are like. And you go, yeah, yeah, that's a flower. And in the sutras, they talk about vajra the same way. Yeah, yeah, that's vajra. It appears everywhere. And yet, to our six senses, we can't find it. It's not in, you won't find it listed in the metallurgy books or gemology. It's, it's hard it can't be just, it's indestructible. It can cut everything else. And it's pure. It's, Jingang is, um, it's a result of purity. And it's, um, to, to translate it, the word that we have is adamantine. Adamantine is, a, is, a, is an adverb. Um, it's an adjective. And adamant is, some people say it's a noun, some people say it's, it's incorrect. Um, so what is Vajra? What is Jingang? We kept it as Vajra because it's something that is not in our world. All you have to do to see it is enter Samadhi and open your wisdom and you'll see Vajra everywhere. So this Bodhisattva's name is Treasury of Vajra, meaning storehouse, meaning uh, a cache of this wonderful diamond-like substance. So, last week, Muna Liberation Bodhisattva said, please tell us about the third ground. We want to know. All these Bodhisattvas are ready. We've already finished the first ground and the second ground. So, carry us forward. We want to hear what we need to know about the third ground. And... He did it twice. Last week he said, Great courageous knight, O treasury of Vajra, you whose heart is soft and full of virtue, please tell us, how do we approach the third ground? Now, in the beginning of the sutra, Vajra treasury would have said no. Not going to do it. He was afraid people wouldn't get it. Too lofty, too, your mind has to be too subtle to pick it up. And he was afraid that if people didn't get it, they would say, 
oh, it's bogus, oh, it's false, oh, it's mm, no longer here, oh, you did it wrong, you know, all the things that people could say in order to excuse the fact that they didn't get it. Um, Or he was afraid that people would pretend to when they had You know the story of the emperor's new clothes? That wonderful Hans Christian Andersen fable. It's is it a fable? It's not. It's a fairy tale. Where the uh, these tailors come into town, and they're going to rip off the king, and so they know the king is very vain, and the king loves clothes, and the king has a lot of face, lots of lots of jiaozi in Chinese, and so they put out a sign and says, you know, the finest finest of tailors we make the best robes and uh, so somebody who wants to suck up to the king tells the king that there is a tailor shop open up on main street that is that can make a robe for his uh, anniversary and it will be the finest robe and all of the citizens of the realm will know that the king is absolutely number one in terms of robes and this, you know the story. So the king comes in, and the tailors are very crafty, and they bit by bit show him finer and finer material, and they say, "Well, your Majesty, you are a, a regent. You're a monarch of rare capacity, and we will show you the finest of robes. But it's not everybody who appreciates it. Maybe we shouldn't show it to you." Oh, no, no, I would love to see your finest of robes. Bring it out at once, or I'll off with your head. So what do they do? They come out and they say, well, here it is, your majesty. How do you like it? And he goes, it's, it's splendid, isn't it, prime minister? Prime minister's going, yeah, yes, uh, yes, yes, your majesty. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. You know, and, they go on with the ruse, fooling him that he's seeing the finest robe and there's nothing there. It's all a sham. It's a game designed to play on his pride, on his ego. And the sycophants, the toadies, have to nod and say, yes, it's marvelous, your highness, because he loves it. Totally in his mind, he thinks he's seeing the fine robe. So the it's... People in the Vajra Treasury Bodhisattva was afraid that there would be in the Dharma Assembly people who are going, yeah, 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 this is really wonderful stuff. Boy, that's really profound. That's really deep. I love the Dharma. And that's far out, uh, inconceivable when they're not getting it at all, you know. And, and so he said, I'm not going to speak it. I'm just not going to tell. So you all know how the, story, the fairy tale comes out, right? There's a parade on the anniversary day and the king proudly shows his brand new robe and he's riding along in his underwear. <laughs> There's, you know, or as they say uh, in this fable, he's wearing nothing, he's naked. And everybody in the streets is afraid that they're going to have their heads cut off because if they t- tell the truth, and what is the truth? The truth is the king has no clothes. The king has no clothes. Who says that? A kid. A little kid who's totally naive and innocent and fearless and doesn't go along with the, the face-saving ruse. 
says, the king has no clothes. And having broken the bubble, everybody finally goes, it's true. The king has no clothes. The tailor, by this time, has skipped across the border with half of the royal treasury in his saddlebags. So, here's, you know, it's called toadying. Sucking up. They they say in Chinese. And the the clever, crafty tailors take advantage of the king's arrogance and pride and face. So, Vajra Treasury Bodhisattva does not want that to happen. He doesn't want people to say, oh, this is wonderful stuff, when in fact, they don't get it at all. They're just singing along with the crowd. So, so for, he said, no, I'm not going to. What happened next? The Buddha said, go ahead, it's all right. He said, you may. You may speak the Ten Grounds Dharma. These bodhisattvas will get it. I'll cover you, said the Buddha, essentially. I've, I've got your back, he said. If, if, if uh, you fall short in your ability to explain it, I'll give you what you need so that you can explain it so they get it. Don't worry. Don't worry. Go ahead. So, you don't say no to the Buddha. And so, Vajra Treasury Bodhisattva took a big gulp of his cup of tea and said, all right, let's begin. The traces, the, the, the dharmas of the ten grounds are like the tracks of a bird in space, difficult to discern. Right? The b- bird flies by. Do you see the path that he took in the air? No. He saw the bird go by. But uh, uh, if, we, if we are still and quiet, mostly if we are good, in our hearts, we can get it. It's not that we have to be uh, holders of advanced degrees, PhDs. We don't even necessarily have to go to school. But if we have good hearts, if we can tell right from wrong, we hear the Ten Grounds and it makes sense. It connects. That's the way Master Hua taught it too. He would say things like, you know, the smart ones pass right by my door. He would say. People who are too clever uh, see what's going on in here is just too dull, too slow, too dumb. You did what? You sat on the floor and listened to what? A Chinese book? For how, for how long? And who was there? And you did it twice? You went back? What's wrong? You know, people who don't, who don't uh, have that, those conditions, those affinities, will Question, what's the value of, of doing this? So Vajra Treasury said, all right, here we go. Let's jump into our text. So now he's done it twice. This is the third go-round. Muna Liberation says, please do explain these grounds. He said, yes. At that time, Vajra Treasury Bodhisattva said to Muna Liberation Bodhisattva, answering him, <clears throat> He said, disciples of the Buddha, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva who has mastered the second ground and who wants to enter the third ground should bring forth ten profound thoughts. Now, this is interesting. Here's one of those patterns. I told you about the, um, at the end of every ground there are patterns. There are things that return like the, the gold, smelting gold analogy is one. Another one is uh, the Bodhisattva sees Buddhas. At the end of every ground, the bodhisattva who accomplishes that has Buddhas appear and they increase in number. 
Um, they talk about wheel-turning kings. Those are the patterns that occur at the end. There are patterns that occur at the start of each one. And this is one. Um, bodhisattvas enter the grounds by means of preparing their minds. Now it says profound thoughts. The word thought here could also be attitude. Um, it's shin in Chinese. Um, there was a, a Jesuit monk. Uh, Jesuits don't have monks, but he was a Jesuit monk. He was as close as you got. Father Thomas Hand. Father Hand lived down in Burlingame at the Mercy Center. He was their spiritual guide there for years. Passed away uh, already four or five years ago. And Father Hand was a profound student of the Dharma and a meditator as well. He lived in um, Kamakura, uh, or no, I think Yokohama. He lived in Yokohama for 17 years doing zazen every single day. He was a Jesuit assigned to the, the Catholic community in Japan. And he early on got interested in Zen through Thomas Merton and others and uh, found his local Zen center that was willing to take in this American Catholic Jesuit priest, officially a priest, and they let him in and he just did it. He just he added Zazen meditation to his daily practice. He would do prayers, he would do the mass, he would do Zazen, do his meditation. And his knowledge of Japanese Buddhism was deep. And this is so wonderful to have this white-haired Catholic uh, fellow in a, in a workout jacket be able to talk about Zen koans with real expertise from a place of sitting. He's the one who carved uh, an image of Jesus sitting in full lotus. And it was a profoundly wonderful religious icon of Jesus of Nazareth sitting there straight upright and full lotus. And he had that in his, in the basement of the Mercy Center was his Zen, his Zen hall, Zendo, his Chan hall. And uh, there was that image of, of Jesus in full lotus, very, very profound, it was nice. A lot of Catholics, especially other priests, would look at it and do this double and triple take, you know, and stare at it. And you could see their faces go through like unrecognition, recognition, disbelief, disgust, grudging acceptance, and then wonder. I saw this happen. People go, you can't do that. You can't. That's kind of nice. You know, they would go through this shift, and then it's like, why haven't we thought of that before? So, anyway, Father Hand was quite a wonderful teacher. Father Hand looked at this word, shin, he translated lots of sutras, the Heart Sutra and uh, Vajras, the Diamond Sutra. He says this is the perfect match for Freud's use of the word psyche. He, he loved psyche for Shin. He said that fits. Yeah. I, I, I argued with him on that one a lot. And he stuck with it. And I tried again and with all due respect. And uh, it's interesting. And it makes for really interesting translation. 
So anybody who's done any kind of Western analytical psychology ran into the word psyche, right? P-S-Y-C-H-E, psyche. And what do you do with the word psyche? Well, hmm, it's from Greek. Psyche was a god, eros and psyche. And Freud, Sigmund Freud, you could say the father of Western analytic psychotherapy, um, psychiatry, uh, adopted that word psyche to talk about the mind and all its complexes, the mind in its many dimensions. So psychological, psychology came out of the root psyche. So anyway, Father Hans said that Shin was really, that psyche was a really good translation for Shin. Now, one of the reasons I found that hard to accept was in this passage. The Bodhisattva who wishes to third, enter the third ground should bring forth ten profound psyches. And you'd have to say aspects of the psyche if you were, if you were forced to handle that word. Or qualities of the psyche. Or I think aspects is pretty good. Attributes of the psyche. So that's just to say this is a work in progress, isn't it? We, we go, we toss the word, we look at the word shin and we go yeah, yeah, yeah. What does it mean? Do we know? And the reason why it's difficult is when you point to the mind, and I don't mean the brain, when you point to the mind, it's a big topic. For example, some people would look at this word shin and say thoughts. Notice we did that. Thoughts are things that issue from the mind. The mind contains thoughts. Thoughts, and that the Buddha would come back and say, yeah, but a thought can contain the mind and everything else. So, okay, that doesn't help, does it? We're right back where we started from. So, what about attitude? What about concept? What about mm, things like perspective? What about... Um, Words such as um, mentation is a word that some people use. So all these different words, the one that we're familiar with kind of is attitude these days because we've adopted that to mean, uh, say, oh, that, that little kid has a lot of attitude, meaning rigid personality projection or something, you know. So these words are very fluid. I'm, I'm going into this just to say I'm not entirely confident that I know what Vajra Treasury Bodhisattva means when he says if you want to enter the third ground you have to have ten shin and they're, all, they're profound shin. It's important to know this because this is a pattern that comes back over and over and over. Every time the Bodhisattva wants to enter another ground he's got to have Ten more. She has to have ten more of these shin. What are they? Mm. Okay. Let's say we don't have to know exactly before we start translating. Let's say we hope to get a clue as we go into it. All right. So let's all put on the the. Let's all pick up the the job of translator right now, and let's look. What does it mean? Well, what are the ten? They are purified, shin, 
Shin that abide in peace. Shin of satiation and renunciation. Shin free of greed. Unretreating. Shin enduring. Shin abundant light. Shin courageous. Shin vast. Shin great. Shin. All right? We know there are ten of them. What are they? Thoughts is not going to be... Thoughts is not going to cover what shin means here. Psyche doesn't do it either. Attitude doesn't catch it. Um, Perspectives, mm, approaches, you know, all the things that we kind of do with our mind. So, what do we know about it? Let's let's say we are uh, scientists here exploring... We're exploring, we're trying to discover what this is talking about. We know that if you have if you have these things, you can enter the third ground, right? These are these are preparations. Um, Let's name a circumstance that's similar. How about? um, Okay, somebody says, uh, "I'm going to the seniors' home." We're going to be dealing with folks that have Alzheimer's. You need to get ready. Uh, or something maybe that's a little closer to home. Let's say we're going to go talk to grandma. Grandma's hard of hearing. You need to speak loudly. You need to get close to her ear and speak loudly. Okay? So what? You prepared. And you're preparing when you go in to deal with somebody who is hard of hearing. And that gets you thinking, maybe she's also kind of, she's, her mind is slowed down. I can't rattle on. I have to speak clearly. Slow. So you prepare. It's kind of like that. Or if you, let's say, uh, you're going in to talk to the bank officer about getting a loan. Okay, well, they say, well, you better get ready. Don't, don't, uh, especially if there's a lawyer present, don't just talk carelessly. Every word costs. This lawyer charges $300 an hour, you know. So don't, don't waste your words. Get ready. Get serious, you know, prepare. So that's what's going on here. The bodhisattva, as they enter the third ground, needs to get ready. So the shin are things that are going to make him or her ready. All right? So we're closer. We kind of have a feel for what this might be. So what are they? Purified. It's, let's see. Hold on. We're sure what are the ten? So wait. That is to say, qing jing. So these thought, these things, these shin are, first of all, they're qing jing. Qing jing here doesn't mean necessarily pure... Um, like clean, like, you know, washed up with ivory soap or detergent. I think here it means, in the sense, it means concentrated pure. The way gold has been, has had the stuff taken out of it with fire. The way um, a cloth has been uh, prepared for the dye, you know, you don't want Stuff that's not going to take the dye. The way bubbles come out of the clay. There's a good one. Anybody make pots? Are there any potters here? Not, not one in our crowd? Anybody make a pot in 
high school. I, really? No potters? Okay, yes, potters. All right. When you prepare clay to make a pot, there is part of that process where you pound it you, over and over, you, like this, and then bang, and like that, to get the air out. You got to get all the bubbles out of the clay before you go ahead and shape it. Because if you don't, what happens? You put it into that kiln, into that furnace that goes up to what, 1600 degrees, and if you still have air bubbles, it goes and every other pot around it shatters at the same time. You become very unpopular on the spot because you've destroyed all these other people's hard work because you didn't take the time to get the bubbles out of the clay. That's purified. The shin that we're working with, the bodhisattva, has pure, taken all the bubbles out of their shin so that they are able to hear the third ground. What else? Abiding in peace. Anju shin. This idea comes up over and over. Peacefully, literally, peacefully dwelling. Living at peace. What does it mean to live at peace? One translation would be settled. Settled. Settled in. No longer itching. Not hankering for the road. Steve Jobs, in his speech at Stanford, says, don't settle. He said, it's not what we mean. It's not, that would not be a translation of Andrew. What he means is, don't settle for less than your heart. Don't, don't merely, don't take what comes, is what, that's what he means. Wait for what you want, he's saying. Don't take the first thing. Anju here doesn't mean that. It's not that kind of settle. Settle means root. Anju, you could say, a rooted. Anju, happily rooted. Finding the door to the universe. And, you know, having it open wherever you are. The universal door. Dwelling in peace. That's what it means. That's a shin. Is that an attitude? Is it a thought? Is it a psyche? What is this? Anybody kind of see what I'm looking for? What's the best translation of shin here? So, hmm. We've got three so far. We've got purified. We have, uh, well, two. Anju, number two is... Peacefully dwelling, settled, rooted, well-rooted. That would be a good translation, well-rooted. What else? A thought that yin, shin. This is very cool. Look at the ideas embedded here. Yin means fed up. Had enough. This is the yin of Tao Yin. In, in Chinese, it's Tao Yin, meaning, I hate it. Enough. What is it hating? What has it had enough of? Suffering. The Yin here, what the Bodhisattva is, has enough of, is things that break. The next paragraph, I hope we get there tonight, the next paragraph is very cool. The paragraph down below, because it's talking about conditioned things, things that are made up of other things, which is everything. The Bodhisattva looks at stuff that comes apart and goes, Tao Yin. 
I can't love that any longer. I don't love that stuff anymore because it always changes and goes away. And that's all conditioned dharmas. That's what the yin is. Okay? Tao yin. So, a mind of thoughts of satiation, that's an okay translation. It would probably be better to say thoughts of The, the word is despite, D-E-S-P-I-T-E, like the same word that comes in despise. You don't say thoughts of despiseation or despiteation. Thoughts of like, and sufficiency is not it either. It's like too much, enough already. It's enough already. Thoughts of enough already, meaning I, I, don't, I don't love it anymore. Stuff that breaks up. Because every time you grab it, it goes away. That's the, you know, yen, tao yen. No longer, Master Hua said, no longer hanging around in the kitchen looking for something good to eat. <laughs> Hoping that finally you're going to get the thing that hits the spot. You're no longer hungry. Not going to happen. Be hungry again, no matter how good it is. So, that's yen. She, here, Second word is means letting go of, discarding, getting rid of. So to have two words in back to back, this there's you could build an entire Dharma talk around these two words. Having having enough of conditioned things and being sick of them, and letting go of and therefore renouncing meaning giving up on the pursuit of finally that last upgrade the ultimate final upgrade never going to happen there's always going to be another so I really like that that attitude thoughts of sick of it and ain't going to chase it no more so that's that's to put those two words together is there's you know all of the thoughts involved and I've had enough of pursuing that stuff and I want to let it go. Yen Xin. What else? The next one is Li Tanxin. If the Bodhisattva wants to enter the third ground, he or she has to get rid of greed. Has to really let greed go. Li is to, to let go, to to I'm sorry. Li is to go away from, to leave behind, to go beyond. So a shin that goes beyond greed. It said, greed says, greed is not what I want. Okay? Li tan shin. Um, people are watching the Occupy Wall Street rallies, gatherings, Demonstrations worldwide. They're now, they're they're in Rome. They're in uh, Latin America. They're in um, Wilmington, Delaware. Has got its Occupy Wall Street. Oakland has a park. It's the tent city. People, you know, the media, in order to make a story, goes down there and just says, "What's it all about? What do you what do you want? What do they want? What do they want?" And 
if you want to put it in two words, you'd say litan. They want to get beyond greed as the, the goal. The goal motivates us every day to get out of bed, to run our country. If we can get past greed, we can find something true. So that's, that would, you know, nobody's going to say that. Imagine a, Rob, actually, Robert Thurman uh, in New York tried. Robert Thurman is on all over uh, YouTube speaking as a Buddhist yesterday from Occupy Wall Street. And this is what he says. He says, Li Tan. He says, greed is a problem. And if we can get beyond that, we can save the country. But who's going to listen to a professor of Tibetan Buddhism from Colombia? He might as well be from the moon. So, okay, next, Butui Xin. If you want to enter the third ground, what do you need? You need a Xin that doesn't retreat, that doesn't turn back, because it's a long and hard ground. This ground, when we, when we look into it, oh boy, this is a very amazing ground. Um, the Bodhisattva gets tested by fire. Because he or she uh, brings out psychic powers here. So this is, a, this is a tough one. Butui you have to, to not retreat, to not quit. It's really hard. Jian Gu Xin goes along with the, that one. Solid. Jian Gu. It's strong and sturdy. This is a, a Xin that you can put in the trunk and know that it's going to be there when, you're, when you arrive. It's stable. It's solid. Strong. Jian Gu. So what, is that a Xin? Is that a thought? It's not a thought. Is it an attitude? A stable attitude? A sturdy attitude? A non-retreating attitude? What are the, what is, what's the word? We're looking for a good translation for Xin. This is basic. This word Xin. Yes, we're... State, state. Okay, it's good. Like state of mind is S T A T E. Yeah, and by that you mean because I'm going to push back a little bit because this came up in our Avatamsaka translation. Would you say state of being, state of mind, state of the union, (laughs) state of California? So if you say state. Somebody's going to say, you know, so, yeah. So would you say state of mind? Is that, that's closer to, you think, or state of being? State. Yeah, okay. Great. I get it. Um, Let's try it. Let's test it out here. What should bring forth ten profound states. Purified state. States that has solid roots, deep roots, states of enough and let go, states for you greed. It's closer almost. It's almost closer than thought. I say almost because it's, you know, it's, it's tempting to want to just use that word, use state. Thought doesn't get it. And I must say... Um, BTTS early on 
our, our translation group for years and years, as soon as the word shin popped up, we automatically translated it heart. Heart. And that's, that's our own, that's Chinglish. That's pure Chinglish. Because it's to say, you know, a solid heart makes no sense. A solid heart. What, what is this? A heart that doesn't retreat. It's, if, if you have to go with heart, I'd rather use psyche. But psyche is, doesn't work. Attitude doesn't work. So state is an improvement on all of those. But the problem is, with state, is it's not, it's not precise. Because, you know, I, I said state of California, state of being, state of mind, um, agitated state. It, it, sh- it shades into all those other meanings. And we're looking for, for um, a word that possibly doesn't exist. Mindset. Mindset. Now... That's interesting. That's a new word, isn't it? I would go directly to my Webster's Third International to find out where mindset, when was mindset first used? Mindset is pretty close because it's, it includes, it indicates set and state is similar, meaning where you are at the moment. He's in a state. It's such a temporary state. You know, he's, it's just, he's a, passing through that state. Mindset has that sense. And mind identifies it as mental. This is a state of mind. Mindset is interesting. Interesting suggestion. So let's, let's leave it open and realize what a rich, what a rich thing is being communicated here. Um, if you look, what, what you do as a translator, often is you, you try to find what, what was the Buddha's first utterance. What, what did the Buddha say? Well, it's hard because we don't know. We don't know exactly what language the Buddha actually spoke. They think it's, there are, there's a, a class of languages called Prakrits, P-R-A-K-R-I-T-S. Prakrits is a, it's kind of like dialects. Prakrits translates sort of as uh, patois, you know. He spoke a dialect. It was American Spanish. It wasn't Castilian. It wasn't uh, Mexican. It wasn't Colombian. It was American Spanish. Those are all Prakrit versions. It wasn't Guatemalan. It wasn't, you know, uh, Chilean Spanish. The Buddha spoke a language that we kind of know what it was, kind of don't. So... um, he also insisted that it be kept verbal, not written. So it wasn't written down for a long time. Pali was the first language to write, to, to try to capture what the Buddha kept in oral transmission. Not too long after, Sanskrit, they're, they're not actually one before the other. Depends on where you go in India. Sanskrit was another language. We this text never appeared in Pali. It appeared in Sanskrit, but not completely. Pieces of it, we don't know what happened to them. Maybe the, they were blown off the back of a camel somewhere on the Silk Road. Um, maybe they stayed in the Dragon Palace and he didn't, didn't give them back. Is that possible? Um, so we don't know where the whole thing is. In general, 
the words that come up in Sanskrit for shin are chitta, manas, which is a root for mental, and um, shoot, there's one more that shin is used to translate. Manas, uh, or chitta, pretty much means one thought. Like, I had a frightened thought. I was, had the thought of fear arose in his mind. Some people use jitta for attitude. Putishin, the bodhi resolve. The, the, the thought for awakening. Manas kind of means mood. It means more closer to state. So, if you go back to Sanskrit, I'm telling you all this to say, when you go back to Sanskrit, you're still kind of Ooh, I'm not on solid ground. So, to say mindset's not bad. To say state, we kind of know what we mean by state. Is that what the Buddha means here? Question. Huh? This is important stuff. What are, there's ten of them, and they're deep. What are they? Okay, continue. Jian Gu, Ming Sheng. Light abundant. Light full. Illuminate, brilliant, full, full of light, thoughts that are full of light, ah. states that is full of light, mindset full of light, psyche full of light, attitude full of light. Back to kind of thought might be the best one. Thoughts. What's a thought full of light? Can you imagine? That doesn't work, does it? My last thought was just full of light. Ridiculous. Thoughts are invisible. How could something invisible be full of light? So we're back to like attitude. That doesn't make so. What's it like? You could say, "Wow, you're cheerful this morning." That's what we say. You're really cheerful. Oh, you seem so positive. You have a positive attitude. Oh, you're you're just such an optimistic person. Those are words that we would use to say full of light. Full of light is literal. Bright or light. Abundant, resplendent, effulgent. That's interesting, isn't it? The bodhisattva who wants to enter the third ground should have an optimistic, positive attitude. Huh. Kind of get that idea, kind of figure out what that means. What else? Courageous, yongmang. An attitude of courage, fearless. This bodhisattva should be fearless. Because you're going to need it. Situations are going to arise that would scare an ordinary person. You can't get, you can't get scared. You have to be courageous. Um, I mentioned last week... Tim? Strength, yes. Yes. It's, it's not only courageous. It's, it's, there's fearless. There's heroic is involved. These are words that appear in the word for hero. Yongshi, you know, so heroic. I think the, um, the image is clear, which means you're going to meet a challenge that, that would frighten many people. You can't allow. You have to overcome the emotions of fear and 
terror, you know. You have to be heroic. Heroic would be a good translation. Sure. Go, go. Yes, it is. It is. Re, um, uh, renunciation or um, serene. Isn't some, yeah. Let it go. It's like imperturbable. Yes, correct. It is the fourth one. Upeka. It's upek, upeka. Upeksha. Upeksha in Sanskrit. Okay. Courageous, heroic, fearless. What else? Then two that occur a lot. Guangxin, Dashin. These, these happen in lots of these lists. Guang is like this, meaning it's an attitude that's this way, and da is just in 3D, it's just grand. Can't be petty. The bodhisattva to enter this third round cannot be petty. Your, your attitude has to be magnanimous. You gotta just think big. That's what it means. Okay? Now, so, how interesting... The first thing that Vajra Treasury Bodhisattva says is, okay, you want to hear about the third round? Get ready. We'll take you there, but you need to do your part. This is really interactive. You are in training. Bodhisattva is in training to enter into the, the third ground. And the training is a mental training. Mental-emotional. That's, I think... What psyche, if you want to say what is P-S-Y-C-H-E, what is psyche, it's where um, thoughts and feelings and probably intuition merge. That's what Freud was talking about. If you have a mental illness, your mental illness is in your psyche. That's what he heals. In other words, the place where thoughts, feelings, emotions, and intuition... um, that kind of uh, mm, knowledge that doesn't have sense data lives. Okay, intuition meaning things you know without proof. So thoughts, feelings, emotions, intuition, all live in the psyche. So the bodhisattva, if you want to enter the third ground, you got to make your mind ready. Okay? Now, what I want to point to is what I like about this sutra. He, it is not saying, oh, if you want to enter the third ground, you had better pay me $500,000. Just do a wire transfer into my account. Here's my number. Right? I'd like it in new 20s, please, unmarked. You know... Unlaundered, laundered. We want this money laundered. No, no. You can't buy your way into the third ground. That's the point. The Bodhisattva does not say, do you want to enter the third ground? You need to show me your high school diploma. Your, from what college did you graduate? Mm-hmm. We prefer the uh, Ivy League and the Seven Sisters, but we'll take Stanford grudgingly. Prefer Cal, but Stanford's okay. Doesn't. You can't educate your way into the third ground. All right? Notice 
what Bodhisattva does not, Sutra does not say, if you want to get into the third ground, you had better come from the ruling clan. And, you know, we, that seems kind of funny because we're living in California, USA 2011. There are, if you lived in Libya, for example, in a lot of the Middle East, the, or Mediterranean in general, clan matters most. What tribe do you, you know, whose grandson are you? Forget the daughters. Daughters are out of sight in the kitchen. But, you know, you're a, we want to know who you're, who's your grandfather before we consider letting you even think about the third ground. So, not. So it's not heritage. It's, it's not clan or wealth or education. None of those things matter in terms of cultivation of the Dharma. It's not, you know, show me your passport. I want to know if you're a documented or undocumented immigrant. You know, in Alabama now, they can pick you up on suspicion. That's interesting. What kind of a state? Talk about a state. That's the state of Alabama now. That uh, law enforcement officers, if they think that maybe you are undocumented, they can pull you over. And they have reason to search and demand your papers. May I see your papers, please? You still have family in Germany, Nikvar. So, how interesting. You know. Anyway, not. That stuff is not part of the Bodhisattva's preparation for the third ground. doesn't matter if you are, you know, as I said, if you're a woman, you don't even get up to the starting line. You're not in the race. Not. Notice, there's no gender mentioned here at all. So, I like that a lot. The fact that this is genuinely impartial, unbiased, egalitarian, democratic in the best sense of the word, um, access to the Bodhisattva's wisdom. Even to the point where you don't have to be a human. If you are qualified as a deva, as a dragon, as a spirit, and you have these qualities, you can enter. Isn't that nice? I mean, that's worth pointing out. So it's not that this is the... There are other... Um, religious traditions who would say you have to wear the right robe you have to have the right uh, stripes on your sleeve you have to know the right person before we let you in the third round you have to give me the right red envelope before you get to the third no, not that That's, that's profound and rare So, the bodhisattva who holds these ten thoughts enters the third ground. Okay? How about that? Any any responses or comments on this? Yes, Alan. Consciousness. Question. Can we use consciousness for this shin? How how would you say... Put put the consciousness in a in a sentence so I can hear how you'd use it. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. In, in, Engl- in English, so it's like, what consciousness was... What, you, use it, use it in a sense. And consciousness. Okay. Okay, Alan is suggesting consciousness as a translation for Shin. Um, awareness. Okay, to be, to be conscious of. Yeah, okay. So, and he said uh, in, the, in the Heart Sutra, we have um, the form, feelings, thoughts, activities, consciousness, right? The five skandhas. And it's that. Now, what I heard, that's why I challenged you back. Um, consciousness in English um, work, it would work only as it's like are you conscious we say consciously aware then you said awareness to be consciously aware of something means you're not asleep for example they, they slapped the face of the person in the accident to see if they were awake consciously awake were they conscious? No, they were unconscious. So that's it. Consciousness versus unconscious. So aware. I would, if you're doing that, I would prefer aware, awareness, because the reason being the connect, the associations I make with consciousness have to do in the skandhas. Consciousness is a technical term referring to eye consciousness, ear consciousness, nose consciousness, tongue, body, mind, and then there's the alaya, you know, the storehouse, etc. So there's the Buddhist technical terms. That's not this. The English has recently used consciousness um, in psychological jargon to to be awareness. So let's pick a word that doesn't have those connotations. The text, so let's say awareness. So let's try it out. To be aware of, to be conscious of, uh, should bring forth ten profound awarenesses. Purified awareness, the awareness that, of, that is profoundly rooted, awareness of satiation or renunciation, awareness free of greed. Kind of. It's kind of. Tam? Coming and going. Yeah, but uh, here I think it's more of you have to, 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 to be bound to it. I mean, it's not a mind crown, something that you have to have almost permanently mm. able to enter the crown. Mm. Not just a thought, I have a thought, and you know, the mm. thought may go away. There you go. The same thing with awareness or consciousness. Yes. Come and go. Come and go. So I feel that's something that is staying Okay. Got it. Okay, Tam is making the point that, <clears throat> and I must—I will tell you—in uh, the in our Avatamsaka translation group, we rejected Shin precisely because it's transient quality. Uh, it that it seems too thin. It's not—it's too ephemeral. Uh, just and there's thoughts come and go like waves on the water. A these Shin need to be, you know, Jiangu solid. Stable, butoi, never retreating. You know, so you're, I, I, Tam said that the his objection to the word thought 
for this, these ten things is thoughts are too ephemeral. They come and go too quickly. They're not, they're not rooted. If you could talk about the grounds, D, right? D wants to be rooted in the ground, unmoving. So that's what we're looking for. And consciousness seems can be too not, not firm enough. Qualities of awareness. Hmm. You taking notes? You got your notebook? I'm going to write that down. We're, we're going to jot these down. So, states, um, awareness, consciousness, um, mindset, qualities of awareness. That's an interesting suggestion. Ten qualities of awareness. Awareness is a little, little more solid because you're aware. And the other thing that happens, because this is a pattern, the ten change every ground. You see, when we get to the fourth ground, ten different ones. Some overlap, but they're different. So these are... The one thing that's nice about awareness would be that as the bodhisattva progresses through the ground, he or she becomes more and more and more and more and more and more aware. When I first started, I wasn't aware of the need. I wasn't aware of the reality that we're all totally connected. Now I am, having meditated through nine grounds. So that's kind of interesting. That awareness progresses, progressively more aware. That's interesting, yeah. Okay. Um. After Tang's speech, I come up with word, determination. The sensing determination, right? It's kind of very subtly without, even though the is always there. Determination. That's interesting. For, for you say for Xin or for. So to make a, determ, a determination. Hmm. <coughs> In terms of Puti Xin, that kind of works. Resolve, a determination. <coughs> It's, it crosses over into the same place that the word vow lives. Um, this, we're, you know what we're doing? We're, we're into Buddha Dharma. This is the realm of the Buddha Dharma because um, here is where the action really is. For example, we've, we're lecturing on, on uh, Sundays. We explain a text at Tathagata Monastery called Exhortation to Bring Forth the Great Resolve for Bodhi. It's called the Bodhi Resolve Essay. It's a really wonderful text. We've lectured on it here uh, in between sutras. It's called the Chenfa Putishin one by a monk called Xing'an who lived in the, uh, the beginning of the Qing Dynasty, 18, 1860, I forget, 18... 40. He um, wanted us to make the Bodhi resolve. And the, um, one of the things that he brings up all the time is the difference between the word xin and the word yuan. We translate xin as thought, mind, attitude, mindset. Yuan, we translate as vow. He points out those two things. He says, if you want to cultivate the way you have to make solid, you have to bring forth a great shin 
and a sturdy, non-retreating yen. So he puts these two things side by side. Clearly to him, they're different. Now, the reason why I brought that up is Alan mentioned, he said, determination as a noun. Right? I want to make a... I have determined... In other words, I've resolved. In other words, I've made a vow. What do we say in normal English? Promise. I promised. Can't break my promise, right? We say that. I made a promise. In Buddhist language, we would say, I made a vow. We would say, I determined, I resolved. Meaning, it's a thought, but it's not an ordinary thought. This is a thought that doesn't quit. What happens to most of our thoughts? Replaced by the next. They come and go. Okay? Yeah, normal. There these thoughts come and go. So, I want, name me a thought that doesn't. How about marriage vow? Dun, 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 dun. Big trouble. Don't go there, right? Those vows are supposed to be Till death do us part. I told you a lot. Till your hair turns white. Could be 60, then you give it up, right? White hair. So, marriage vows. What else? Your contract. Sign that contract. Binding. You are bound by that promise that you will abide by the rules of the contract. What else? Um, Lawyers. Take the bar oath you take an oath oath there's a word meaning vow kind of means I mean it do you solemnly swear that the testimony you are about to give is the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth so help you Buddha I do that's binding you're not saying that with your fingers behind your back meaning I don't really mean it you mean it Okay, those are promises, vows, oaths. I swear, right? I solemnly swear. And we're close to Xin, but Master Xing'an of the Bodhi Resolve essay would say, no, we're actually talking about Yuan, the other word. Xin, still out there. Mindset. It's a little elusive, but we're close. We're close. Uh, is, could you say, awareness, big awareness, profound awareness? It's in there. Maybe we need a whole new word to get to something that every one of us experiences, but we haven't tried the name yet. The Buddha is not talking about something foreign, that you don't know what he's talking You know what he's talking about. But it's funny because it's not one thing. That's why we we have a hard time naming it. We we here, here's the deal. Uh, sometimes you have to. We are allowed to make new words, but the question is, will other people know what you mean when you make it? Sometimes it's trans. That's a challenge. Um, here's one. We've done it. Our BTTS translations, we got to the word Daochang, and we said way place. The way places of the Dharma and Buddhist Association. And everybody goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's a way place? Raoul Birnbaum hates that. 
He, he finds that inadmissible. Or Wei Place. Wei Place is a translation of Dao Chang. We saw in literally Wei Place, Dao Chang. It's the translation of the Sanskrit word Bodhimanda. So we've had translators say, we don't do Wei Place here, we do Bodhimanda. Oh, thank you very much. What's a Bodhimanda? That doesn't help me at all. Well, a Bodhimanda, you know, it's uh, the, the monastery. Oh, why did you say so? You know. So is Daochang Monastery? Okay. So you get the whole slippery ground, right? Always doing this. Where, what's, where do you put your feet? Where is it solid? So the answer, Connie, yes. Sometimes you can make up a word. Do you have a suggestion? No, sometimes you can. But the problem is, once you make it up, if you're the only one who knows what it means, you haven't communicated. So if you can make up a word and it communicates, potentially, if we hit it just right, when we say it, everybody go, oh, I get it. That's really good. Why is it? That's interesting. So you could almost say the, it's the cultivated mind. It's the mind once it's been cultivated into yen shu, you know, guang da bu tui jian gu. So YC is, is, uh, has suggested that there are two things going on in each of these terms. The xin is the ordinary mind. You got a mind, she has a mind. You may not even know you have a mind, but you got one. The mind is the thing that orders the pizza. Pepperoni and you know, extra mustard, extra extra tomatoes, extra tomato sauce. That's your xin, even though you don't know it yet. That's the ordinary mind. When you combine it with these qualities, oh, by the way, qualities of awareness. Did you get that one? Okay. When you combine it with these qualities, then you get what the Buddha is talking about. And I took another step to say, so in other words, it's the common mind once cultivated is the shin that we're trying to translate. Something like that. So what is that? Okay, more? Why is he? In in the school, there's a school of Buddhist studies called Consciousness Only. It's the Alaya Vijnana school, Vijnanabadan, Vijnanabadan school. And in that, they talk about this. They go into Shin very deeply. Okay, in the in the um, um, Ajahn Guna, have you been through uh, Abhidhamma studies? Have you ever been part of that? There's a there's a school in the Pali tradition that uh, called Abhidharma. That is, um, it's not. You don't always 
have an opportunity. And there are some people who get the opportunity and run the other way because it's famous for being dry as dust. It is really profoundly boring. Uh, and yet, if you have the mind of samadhi, it, it can be a play field, you know, a, 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 a playground. It's, it's in, in the... I'll, I'll go quickly into this because it's time to stop. When you go into the Pali tradition, they say, what do you have? The three baskets? What is the tipitika? There is suttas, words of the Buddha. There is vinaya, the, the, uh, the shila, the, the, the organization of the community. And there's abhidhamma, which is investigation of the mind. There, by golly, you get 17 kinds of shin. That's where this word is parsed. You get, you know, many, 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 many subtle. Where does it come from? Experience of meditation. Abhidharma is not, you know, when I say boring, don't take that as a slight. It is boring if your mind is not quiet. But it all comes from experience of meditation. Abhidharma is profound stuff that comes directly from people watching their minds having held the precepts. So it's the, in the Tripitaka, what do we do? We say sutras, vinaya, shastras. We don't do Abhidharma in the Mahayana, we do shastras. It's that same idea of looking, people looking into the mind instead of the Buddha with his sutras. So Abhidharma is profound. And they have taken, those scholars have taken the mind, that word shin, chitta, manas, into the subtleties that put you to sleep immediately. It's just, it's really profound study. So, we are here trying to get what, this is what I like about YC's uh, version, is we realized that one, one word is not going to cover What's the Buddha's talking about here? It's, it's more than one thing, and it's a process. And her suggestion was, there's an interaction. There's an interaction of ordinary mind with Dharma. When you put the Dharma, meaning technique of practice, onto the mind, you get these, what? You get the, uh, the qing jing xin, an zhu xin, yan shu xin, li tan xin. So we're tr- we need a name to describe this process of its, its cause and effect at the same time. Right? So, yes. Spiritual state. Spiritual state. Take that one down. That's, that's, uh, that's nice. You know what people will do with that? They'll say, what do you mean by spiritual? And... That's a legitimate challenge. That's not bad. The problem is, right now, spiritual is, it's, it's a big category. It's almost as big as love, right? You say love, you have to say, what do you mean? There's a million kinds of love. Spiritual right now includes new age spirituality. It includes people who don't want to be religious but will be spiritual. You know, it's kind of that feeling that you get with the sunlight filtering through the redwoods, vaguely spiritual, you know, it means not material. So I like, personally, I like that because it's approachable. People get, people are happier with that than they are with awareness because awareness, 
we don't, it's not a word that we, but spiritual, spiritual state was what you said? Spiritual state. That's more approachable, but it's still out there, you know. But we'll write, let's think about that. that I, that's, that's close. Roberto, you had... Full circle. Absolutely. And, and, that's what, that's a solution that translators do when they come up with. Because clearly, you know, now, tonight, tonight, I could have taken us through, I could have dealt with that paragraph in five minutes. What are the names? It goes through all these, the, the, uh, Minds, thoughts, yeah, they're profound thoughts. What are they? Purity, peace and dwelling, you know, and going on. Let's get down to the good stuff, the next chapter, you know, the next paragraph. That's the joy of, I mean, I'm, I can do what I want in terms of picking the terms we're going to talk about. I didn't plan to do this tonight, that we were going to look into Shin, but I realized right here on the spot with all of you sitting that we have an in inexact understanding of what this word is. Okay, so look, once we open it up. <laughs> I'm just reflecting because you talk about the first one with the psyche, the Freud. To me, it's not just an exact word. It's actually, we don't have a very exact understanding of who we are. So I think because the words are pointing at something that's, that's, that's experienced, and it's like a, like a symbol pointing to something. And if we have that kind of internal understanding of ourselves, then we can kind of connect with that. Okay. And, and, this, and I have to say, the other one was the, the psyche, and the way the Freud looks at it, I think probably it's unbalanced with it, not uh, fully full wisdom that the Buddha has. And so the more we can understand it, so actually going into this, in this way, it really brings out those qualities and causes us to really look into the mind and understand it deeper. So I don't think we have very precise until maybe or a hundred seconds from now, you you might get it. You know, there's no, there's, it's not a, it's not a question of time. Okay, did you all hear what Chin Wei said? He said it's, it's the problem is that we, what we, what we lack to be able to get this is the right understanding of ourselves to match what the Buddha was getting to. Now, I, okay, I, I would, you know, accept that comment. But I would say, I don't think there's anybody in the room who doesn't have a feeling for what he's talking about. That's what's so, that's what itches here that we can't quite scratch. Is Everybody kind of knows what the Buddha means here, but to translate it into an English term that we all say, that's it. That's really hard. That's the joy of the Dharma, is it is not outside of us. The Buddha is describing this experience that we've all had, and yet we are struggling with how to put it into a word or a phrase that, that captures it. And see, this is, and, and Roberto is saying, keep it as shin. You know, that's, that's a kind of, of, you could say, genius, or it's a punt. You all know the football term, you know, you get four downs to move the ball 10 yards, and if you don't get it, and you have one chance to kick the ball back, and then you deal with it now. You try. And 
There are, the translators in the Chinese tradition, there are five kinds of terms that were left untranslated. And Master Shenzong, the great translator, uh, gave us a set of five. And uh, this, I won't go into them now because it would take us longer. But um, one option is to keep it as Xin. Um, I, I would only do that at last resort. Because we've had some creative suggestions. Do you want to read those, Chinuisha, our list of what we come up with tonight? Loudly? Um, start with thoughts, attitudes, um, psyche, uh, mindset, perspective, approaches. Uh, people have, we would say heart, awareness, consciousness, qualities of awareness, make up our own word. Uh, you left out process. cultivated process. yeah process right spiritual state and Shin and we're back to Shin <laughs> that's not bad that's 20 we've had 20 suggestions so I'm happy with that chaos because why we're working on that's, I think, what the Buddha wants us to do, is to, to, to work on it. What is a bodhisattva doing, good grief, as he or she prepares to enter the third round? This. What is it? Mm, I kind of get it, and I don't. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. If we cultivate, according to instructions, we will know it like we know... How, many, how much clothes to put on because it's, that's, I needed to put on another layer because it was chilly. That kind of knowledge, so close to you, it's, it's as close as your skin, that's how the bodhisattva is as they enter the third ground. It's obvious that you need these ten kinds of shin. All right? Now, one more thing. Notice that word shin, that's a picture of a heart. The character, do you see that? The word that appears ten times, X-I-N, look for that character. That's an actual picture of your heart. So that complexifies it one more step. And that's why our early translators did heart, ten hearts. And you go, no, it's not a heart. Heart means the physical organ that pumps blood through your body. And that's, that's not what we got. Psyche is well, I would take psyche over heart here, but psyche's got lots of lots of troubles in the translation. All right, so now that I've left us in in complexity, well, that that gets us ready for next week. Next week is a major expo- explanation of impermanence. Oh boy, the next two paragraphs are all about impermanence. Why, why the Bodhisattva is fed up. Why Yin, Tao Yin, the Yin. He's fed up, she's fed up because things break. That's the theme of next week. Things break. It's a beautiful explanation of impermanence. Conditioned dharmas that fall apart. There's that wonderful African novel by Achibe that called, that's called Things Fall Apart. This is... This is next week. Things fall apart. Don't miss it. (laughs) Come next week and witness things fall apart. Okay. Can we transfer the merit?
make a wish. May all 